Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today with us on the show is Cindy Wooden, who is Rome Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service. The Rome Bureau has its own staff in Rome, just a few steps outside of St. Peter's Square. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to talk to you a little bit about what is life like working that close to the Vatican? It's busy. It's fascinating for a person who is interested in religion, in ethics, um, in the Catholic Church in particular, obviously. It's being at the center of action, but also at a place of crossroads where, you know, sooner or later, most Catholics come through or would wish to come through, would like to come through. I, I get to meet a lot of people who are doing amazing things around the world. And they're not always famous people, or usually they're not famous at all, but they're living out the gospel and serving other people and are shining examples of faith and charity. How long have you been working in Rome? I've been at the Rome Bureau for t- almost 29 years. So you've been through three popes yeah, and two papal transitions, which is yeah. the tough part mm-hmm. there. What have been some of your experiences writing about the pope in Rome, but also traveling with the Holy Father? I've done, I, I think I've done probably 40, 45 papal trips with the, with the three different popes. In my office, we take turns mm-hmm. going with the Holy Father on a trip. With St. John Paul, the trips were often, especially in the early days, were long and mm-hmm. multi-nation. Yes. You know, so we did a 10-day trip one year that went Rome, Manila, Papua New Guinea, Sydney, Australia, Colombo, Sri Lanka, and then back to Rome. Oh, my God. In 10 days. Um, well, and his trip in 1987 to the U.S. was, you know, 10 cities in 10 days. Right. It was a, that was a pretty brutal right. one as well. And then um, with Pope Francis and with Benedict before him, that the trips tended to be shorter and kind of more concentrated. Pope Francis, for example, in um, August will go to Dublin, for the World Meeting of Families, and that's just a two-day trip. He likes these short and sweet. Yeah. Now, he last year, or in 2015, when he came to Philadelphia for the World Meeting of Families, he was really very energized by that meeting. You mm-hmm. could tell he was talking so fast his translator couldn't even mm-hmm. keep up. Mm-hmm. And obviously the topic of the family is of great concern to mm-hmm. Pope Francis, as it has been to our previous popes. What do you expect to come out of the, the meeting in Dublin? I think, you know, just kind of once again, um, the same kind of encouragement for for people who are living love and family life in a very realistic way, that there are challenges, there are heartaches, there are no greater joys, 
but along with no greater joy means that, you know, there's no other area in life where you could get hurt so deeply. I think the Pope is very, very realistic about the what it means to be a family. You know, he's not writing some romance movie. Um, he's not painting some, you know, lovely little watercolor. Um, he recognizes all of the love and energy and sweat and tears that people put into building strong, healthy families. And he wants to be there to encourage them and to offer whatever support he can when things go wrong. He wants the church to be there to help people pick up the pieces as much as possible, not to scold them for not Mm -hmm. being perfect because he knows none of us are perfect. Right. You and Josh McElwee have just co-edited a book on the Pope Francis lexicon, choosing 50 words that are important to the Holy Father. First of all, how did you pick those words? And, And what does that book say about Pope Francis and the way that he is leading the church? The book was published by Liturgical Press, which came up with the idea. Josh and I and a publisher from um, Liturgical Press just started throwing around words. I mean, I read the Pope's homilies every morning. I listen to him, you know, I read most of his speeches or listen to them. And there are themes that keep recurring over and over and over again. So um, it wasn't difficult at all to come up with 50 words. It, we actually have 54 essays. Oh. Um, <laughs> but who's coming? There, exactly. Um, it, in the end, we had obviously more than 50 or 54 words. And in the end, it was we stuck with what we got a good group of people willing to contribute an essay on a given topic. I'm still kind of bummed that the word hypocrisy isn't in there because the Pope talks about hypocrisy all the time, but we couldn't find anybody who wanted to write about it. I think part of the danger is, you know, if you start talking about what a horrible thing hypocrisy is, somebody's bound to accuse you of it, you know? And, and so nobody wanted to go there. I was touched by how easy it was to get some really interesting, amazing, profound people to um, write these essays. There are uh, 20 women out of the 54 authors. There are people in their 20s and people in their 70s. Mm-hmm. There are at least two people from every continent. Oh, that's great. There are lay people and religious. There are single people and grandparents. So it's a pretty good mix of, you know, kind of demographic. Not all of the essays are glowingly approving of Pope Francis and his ministry. But most of them, they... Overlap and interweave with each other in a really interesting way. I think giving you kind of a more global idea of who Pope Francis is and what he's trying to do. And I, th- I think one thing that comes through very clearly from the essays, um, and especially the interesting way they kind of overlap and are interwoven, 
is the Pope's absolute faith in the love of God, in the power of Jesus Christ to save us, and in the creativity of the Holy Spirit, who, who he is absolutely convinced is continuing to work in the world today and in the hearts of individuals. And part of the Holy Spirit's work is trying to help us learn to live the gospel in the midst of great confusion. You talked about some of the words that the Pope has talked about and the way the Holy Spirit is still working in the world. Uh, a few months ago, a journalist who sits down with the Pope and takes no notes and makes no recordings came out of that and said that the Pope had said he basically doesn't believe in hell, uh, or that was what was reported in the media. The Pope very much has said, had a lot to say about hell and about the devil. As much as the Holy Spirit is at work today, does the Pope believe that the devil is at work today? Oh, sure. The Pope, I mean, you know, the Pope's a realist. And he knows that, that there is evil in the world, and he believes that that evil has a source, and that that source isn't just kind of a force out there or, you know, things in imbalance, but that it's a very personalized reality that he would call the devil um, or Satan or the spirit of this world. And he says that if we fail to recognize that evil exists, that Satan exists, then we run the danger of, you know, kind of tripping over him, of, of not taking evil as seriously as we should and um, not being on guard against him. There's um, some really an interesting section in the Pope's latest um, document on holiness about the importance of recognizing the presence of the devil. Well, maybe that's not the most fun place to take a break, but we do need to take a break. So at, we're, right now we're talking with Cindy Wooden, Rome Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service. And after the break, maybe we'll look at something more like love and mercy and forgiveness, something a little bit more uplifting. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The U.S. Catholic Church's 2018 Religious Freedom Observance began Friday, June 22nd, the feast of two English martyrs who fought religious persecution, St. John Fisher and St. Thomas More. It will end June 29th, the feast of two apostles martyred in Rome, Saints Peter and Paul. Serving others in God's love is the theme of this year's Religious Freedom Week. U.S. Catholics are encouraged to pray and take action in support of religious liberty at home and abroad. For more information and resources on Religious Freedom Week, visit archbalt.org. Sister of Notre Dame de Namur, Catherine Phelps, died unexpectedly June 15th. A Baltimore native, she served as head of Trinity School in Ellicott City for 47 years. Her legacy at Trinity School was marked by the building of a new middle school, renovations of old buildings, the launch of the Julie program, which works with K through fourth grade students who have language-based learning issues, and the development of a new media center. 
Under Sister Catherine's leadership, Trinity was recognized in 1989 and 1999 by the U.S. Department of Education as a National Blue Ribbon School of Excellence. She had a Christ-like love for every child, said Father Christopher Watley, pastor of St. Mark in Catonsville, who ministered at Trinity School during his early years as a priest. A funeral mass was offered June 21st at St. Mark. For more on this and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matasek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. Our guest today is Cindy Wooden, Rome Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service, which means that she's the one who writes a lot of the stories you see in the Catholic Review and on the catholicreview.org that are coming out of the Vatican. We talked a little bit before the break about the Pope Francis lexicon that you helped edit. Let's talk a little bit about what, how the Holy Father feels about three words that I think have been core, love, mercy, and forgiveness. Those are three recurring themes in his ministry. I think particularly mercy, which um, the other two words are part of. Um, I think you could say mercy has been the theme of the first five years of his pontificate. Um, it comes from a very personal place for him. When he was asked to describe who he is, he responded by saying, a forgiven sinner. And he believes that every blessing and every good thing in his life has been a result of God just loving him and pouring his mercy out upon him and forgiving him everything and saying, I'm here, I love you, let's start over. And um, so that's what the Pope preaches. You know, he preaches that God's love is everlasting, that there's nothing we can do that will stop God from loving us, that no matter how many times we turn away, God will be there waiting for us to return. Um, that no matter what we deserve in terms of punishment, God will never exact measure for measure, that he is there to love us, not to threaten us, not to beat us down, not to, you know, drag us into submission, and that we can always be forgiven for everything. 
I think that message has been really resonating with people, even non-Catholics, mm-hmm. especially in the first year or two of his pontificate. I would I would hear people say, I love your Pope Francis. And I said, well, we love him too. But a, a, a woman that I heard speak said, you know, to those people, she says, if you like Pope Francis, you're going to love his friend Jesus. And it seems to me that he's able to bring to people a a vision of Christ and a vision of God the Father and God the Spirit that is welcoming and just down-home hug you like a mom or dad would. And that, I think, has been really resonating with a lot of people. How do you think that that has compared, not not that we didn't hear that from Pope John Paul, from Pope Benedict, but why do you think this is resonating so well with people these days? I think a lot of times we when, our concern for the institutions that we belong to the political party we belong to the parish we belong to the school we graduated from the church we belong to we rightly want to preserve everything that is good and share with others all of those good things but i think what Pope Francis is seeing is that perhaps we've focused a little too much on the institution and not on the relationships that create the body of Christ. And that people are lonely today. And they may be intimidated by this institution that has a billion members. The church is a huge organization if you want to look at it that way. But it's also the body of Christ. It's the place where everyone should be able to find a welcome and love. And I think that's where Pope Francis is is focused right now. Um, St. John Paul II made it very clear that, you know, he kind of energized Catholics to go out and and to share the good news. And Pope Benedict focused a lot on what that good news really meant and what the Catholic Church taught. And now Pope Francis is just trying to throw open the doors and and tell Catholics that you have to go out and you have to invite other people in and you need to share the blessings that you've been given. The Holy Father has two upcoming things that are especially going to be focused on young people. Um, and by young people, the church looks at not, we're not teenagers like our youth ministry, but people under 35. Mm-hmm. There's the Synod uh, this, this fall and World Youth Day in Panama early next year. What do you think is going to come out of those meetings and how do you think that's going to impact uh, young, young people in our country and around the world? I don't like to predict what things are going to happen. Um, I have hopes. I think that just from the reaction that we saw to the Pope had a meeting in March with 350, 300 young adults from around the world who were chosen by their bishops to attend this pre-synod meeting. And they sat around and, and um, discussed and wrestled and um, tried to figure out kind of what the core issues were 
for young adults today. And the reaction to that was kind of interesting because it seemed like there were a lot of people out there, mostly older Catholics, who thought that the young people at this meeting, you know, got it all wrong, you know. Young people today want clear answers to questions, and they want stronger catechesis, and, you know, and the young people themselves would not describe it that way. The young people... And you think the Pope is listening. And I think that's what this, the Synod will be an occasion to communicate to older Catholics the deep yearnings of the heart of young adults today, the confusion, the need for support, the thirst for love and truth and beauty. And I hope it will help us as a church find ways to communicate to young people that in ways that they can understand, in ways that they're willing to listen, that if we just keep going and doing what we've, what we've always done, then we're going to keep losing the young people. Right. And, you know, so something obviously isn't working right now. We need to figure out why, mm-hmm. and we need to figure out something that will work. And soon. We have just about a minute left. Um, can you tell us a little bit of why the Pope's homilies at the Daily Mass, where at the apartment where he lives, why those are so important? The Pope's morning homilies in um, San, the Doma Santa Marta, where he lives, the morning Mass, the, it's, the Mass is at 7 a.m. There are fewer than 50 people invited. He began by inviting the gardeners and the garbage collectors of Vatican City State. Um, Now he's kind of rotating through Rome parishes. So there are a few representatives of a couple parishes. Priority is given to married couples celebrating their 25th or 50th wedding anniversaries and, you know, a few special guests. But the Pope prepares the homilies by praying before the Eucharist the night before. But that's all. I mm-hmm. mean, he prepares by reading the readings and praying. So nothing's written out. Nothing is reviewed by 15 other people. You know, um, there's no super corrections or rearranging or this would flow better. So what you're getting when the Pope preaches is coming straight from his heart without a filter. And I think that's what makes these homilies so valuable. And it, from the heart of the Eucharist, too, then. Exactly. And, and you're seeing what is resulting from the Pope's prayer, from inspiration by the Holy Spirit, the Pope's own heart, and the result of prayer. That's a wonderful way. It's a wonderful way to, to listen to the Word of God. Thank you so much. We've been talking today with Cindy Wooden. Rome Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service and co-editor of the Pope Francis Lexicon. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Cindy. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to Catholic Baltimore and spending part of your day with us. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. 
For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Join Catholic Review Media and the Archdiocese of Baltimore to see the Passion Play in Oberammergau, Germany, June 19th to 27th, 2020. Travel with Archbishop William E. Laurie, Father Michael Fapiano, and Father Jim Prophet on a nine-day, seven-night pilgrimage to Austria and Germany. Land-only price is projected at $3,399 per person, double occupancy. There are still a few spots remaining. Reserve your seat today by visiting archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Again, that's archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.